It's this week in film. Woo! <laughs> We're back again. It's been at least seven days. I'm Nick Pinanto. This is Ray Radaminki. We're all alone this week on the podcast where we talk about the movies we've seen over the past week. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying week. And Ray, how are you? This week, I'm great. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Tony's not here. Charlie's not here. Everybody just abandons us. They don't, Tony even, didn't even say he wasn't going to be here. Yeah. He just like, went. What kind of a move is that? Yeah. At least give us a heads up. Like, hey. Hey, guys, might not be there next week. You know, we're next, we're the week after. Yeah. Something tells me he's not going to be here the week after this as well. Maybe he thought we'd be disappointed, which obviously we would be, but. Some of us would be. I don't know. The listener base is definitely missing Tony right now. Right now, he would say something clever. There's riots in the streets. Right. Well, Ray, what did you see this week? This week, I watched The Nice Guys. Oh, I watched it this week, too. Get out of here. I did. Uh, nice, guys. <laughs> if you don't know, The Nice Guys stars Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, as a dynamic duo <laughs> of private eyes who are both looking for the same person, basically. Um, it's directed by Shane Black, who uh, wrote a lot of great late 80s, early 90s movies. Mm-hmm. He's been getting into directing more lately. He directed, what, Iron Man 3? Yep. Which um, is a movie that I like more and more every time I see it. Yeah, you know, I got that's one I saw in the theater, and I don't think I've seen it since. So I, I, I recommend uh, checking it out again. It, yeah. It's definitely much better than when, when you watch it the first time. And I've had to watch it about a million times. Well, then you would and, know. Uh, I, I do. I'm <laughs> an expert on Iron Man 3. Um, so, yeah, so Shane Black directed this one as well. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it stars uh, Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. Um, they're both kind of private eye gumshoe detectives in late 70s Los Angeles. And they kind of get caught up in conspiracy this a is web where of lies. I, this is where I kind of started getting confused with it the was, movie. Yeah, the movie, I thought as well, was very confusing in just like the plot and where everything was going. I mean, you had a general sense of what they were trying to do. and Yeah. They're basically trying to find this girl who has gone missing. Um, yeah. What is her name? I can't remember what her name was. Not Misty. Uh, no. Amelia. Right. They're trying to find Amelia. Misty Mountains is and the they're girl both, in the beginning. They're both kind of brought in to this search for, for different reasons. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe is like the hard nose, like enforcer type of guy who also does like private detective work. Right. Ryan Gosling is kind of like the down and out private eye who's just looking for, looking to make money. Basically he doesn't have any money. Um, and he has a young daughter who I thought was great in the movie. I did too. I thought she was the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, she's with them every step of the way. She's very funny. What is her name? The actress that she that plays her. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. She definitely wasn't like we're, we're a kid actor at all. A lot of, uh, For two guys that's all the same movie. Yeah, we're we not did. a lot of info here. We did a ton of research um, on it. I'll figure it out. Uh, Anne Gory Rice. She's Australian. And she did American accent, yeah. I guess, too. Unless she's, like, Australian, but yeah. Aust- Mel Gibson Australian. Right, yeah, like half Australian. Right, and her next movie, she'll have a full accent. Right. 
Um, but yeah, like like you said, so you can't really say anything without giving away like the plot. Um, like I said, they're they're looking for this girl, and like everything just starts taking a turn, and like starts stuff starts getting weirder and weirder, and the story starts getting more and more and more complicated. I think the best part about it is I thought that Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling had great chemistry together. They were very um, I, good. I thought they yeah. played off of each other very well. I thought uh, the writing from Shane Black was very very witty. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of very funny instances, um, some of which are shown in the trailer, which I hate. Um, like the part where he's in the, the the bathroom stall was was funny. I laughed, but I think if I never wouldn't have seen it because in the trailer you saw it a thousand times. Yeah, I thought I would have thought it was way more funny. And the part with the old lady in the urn. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that part was good. I I just thought the story was just it was he 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 got too cute Shane Black and I think he wrote it with somebody else. Um, the story got too cute for its own good. They needed to stay more simple, and uh, they tried to get really complicated with it and it, it kind of loses you midway through and then yeah, the third act is a kind of a mess yeah the third act is, like. is a mess and then like at the end you're like what is the what do we even what is the, even the resolution here like right. what, what are they even trying to accomplish now like we've already like jumped the shark so many times that it's like, uh, you, know, like you completely lose yourself yeah but I think the performance has definitely saved it um, like I said the writing, the writing in the dialogue sense definitely saves it it's definitely a movie worth checking out um, I thought that uh, we we were just talking about the 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 girl that plays his daughter. Uh, Shane Black has a, a knack for directing kids. Yes. Um, we we talked about it earlier this year with Monster Squad, which right. was a movie he directed. Or I'm no, sorry, he, he wrote, wrote. Wrote. But he writes children's dialogue, or or young people's right. dialogue very well. And uh, the kid who was in Iron Man three. Uh, is also in this movie. He's the kid that the, you know, the part where the car goes through the house. Oh, right, right, right. That's the kid from Iron Man 3. And he, I don't think he has any lines in this movie, but he was, the kid from Iron Man 3 was great in Iron Man 3. When when you're watching Iron Man 3 and that kid shows up, you're like, oh God, they put a kid in the right. movie. And you're, he was fine. He was totally fine. And the same thing with this with this little kid. And in fact, if it wasn't for her, the movie would be not, nearly as good as it yeah you basically when a kid is thrown into a movie like that you basically want you to forget that it's a kid right and you want her to just him him or her to just be a character Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what the girl does in this movie she just becomes their like little sidekick throughout all this yeah rather than just being like oh my god like this is this kid gonna be around even more like we're gonna kill this kid off she's gonna do something cutesy here right you know and um so that definitely worked and another thing that I, I want to watch the movie again, like I'm going to give it some time and then and watch it again, probably in probably like a year or so, uh, because the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is another Shane written and directed which by which I've never seen, Shane I've never Black. seen that. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I've heard. But I didn't really care for it the first time I saw it. Okay. But I've seen it a few more times since then, and I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's kind of the same thing with Iron Man three, where you need to see the whole picture before before you can really appreciate the the individual scenes right um so hopefully it's the same with this movie like if i go back and and watch it again i'll appreciate it a little more and maybe that third act makes a lot more sense but when kim basinger showed up i was like what the hell yeah. is happening right now yeah it definitely got it definitely just 
goes a little too far down the rabbit hole with the twist and turns where it just should have just yeah. stayed very basic and just, you know, played off the the two characters having such good chemistry together. Yeah, the missing the missing person story was interesting enough. It didn't need the whole government conspiracy right. part of it. Uh, I agree with you. I thought that the Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling were terrific. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see the two of them in another. Russell Crowe does comedy. Together. Does comedy good. And, uh, you know, the few times he's ever been in a comedy. Oh, what else was he in that was a comedy? I, I don't know. <laughs> 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 there has to be, a, this can't be his first foray into comedy, right? I'm just, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, I feel like there's something else. Robin Hood. Definitely not a comedy. No. Let's see. Russell Crowe. Again, we did a lot of research. Right. Going His into whole this. filmography, we all know. Gladiator was pretty funny. The The Insider was pretty funny. <laughs> the Insider is a great movie. The Insider is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I guess, you know, it really, really doesn't have any comedy, many comedies on his belt here. So, no, this is probably his first. Wow. That's uh, that's surprising. He, he was surprisingly deft. De delft? Deft. Deft. Deft? At it. He had sure. a good. He had a, maybe it was just the writing and the two of them, the chemistry between the two of them. But it was it was a very entertaining movie. It's just that the end of it, the the third act is really yeah, it's a mess. And maybe we'll, yeah. like it, like we said, maybe it'll make more sense if you watch it again. Um, but yeah, I was definitely lost throughout some parts of it. But whatever. I mean, yeah, definitely worth watching. So this week, I watched the movie uh, Moneyball for the four hundredth time. Moneyball is. Directed by Bennett Miller and stars Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. Uh, it's about the 2002. I think that's right, yeah. It's either the 2001 or 2002, 2003 Oakland A's baseball team. Uh, and it's about the story of Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill basically changing the game of baseball into what it is today. Right. Uh, which is a game based on... Sabermetrics. Yeah. Uh, it's all numbers and algorithms and math and putting. It's it's very complicated. I don't understand it. <laughs> but you don't even need to understand. That's how that's good. That's, that's how good this movie is. Exactly. You don't need to understand sabermetrics at all. You don't even have to understand baseball really to right. understand it. Everything in the movie really works, and uh, it's a it's a script that I think was co-written by Aaron Sorkin, and mm -hmm. uh, but it's not dominated by Aaron Sorkin's it's based style. Off a book. Well, it's based on a, of a book, but the book isn't a narrative. It's right. just like, like a, a history kind of book, like a nonfiction kind of thing. Um, and in J the Jonah Hill character doesn't exist in real life. He's a combination of three different guys. Right. Uh, Who one of those guys is now uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Oh, really? Because the Cleveland Browns are going in this direction. With football? With football. They're like the first one to get into with football, which didn't work out for them very well this past weekend. No. <laughs> Go but, Eagles. But, uh, but yeah, that guy, one of the guys that he's based on is now um, with the Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry to digress on that. No, that's fine. One of the things I think I really like about the movie is, one, the story. I think the story is, is perfect. Um, it's a baseball. I think the best baseball movies are the ones where baseball is kind of the backdrop. The backdrop of it, like this, the Sandlot is one of the best baseball movies um, ever made. And there's not even like a baseball game at the end. Like mm -hmm. the end of the movie is just these kids trying to get a ball. This movie, um, 
it's not really a big spoiler alert. Let's say spoiler alert for for the 2002 right. Oakland it's Athletics. A true, it's a true story. They don't win the World Series, and um, but the, but the movie isn't a, the story isn't about them not winning the World Series. It's about a team with absolutely no shot, of no shot, doing anything. Yeah creating an opportunity for themselves to succeed where everyone expects them to just be a last place team until they, you know, get enough first round picks to compete again. And what they do is like using Jonah Hill's algorithms on players. They bought, they put together a very cheap team to compete against basically the New York Yankees who are the most expensive team in baseball. And it's a beautiful film. I think it's, it looks amazing the, oh, yeah. the the direction and the cinematography and the music all work in this beautiful way it's it's such a beautiful film um one of my favorite all-time lines is from this movie where it's 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 hard not to be romantic about baseball but yeah it's just it's crazy like the one the one character i love in the movie is uh philip seymour hoffman rest in peace yeah. he plays the manager and you and he's just like at his wits end. Like they're they they yeah. keep taking every good player off this team. Yeah. And he's like, "What do you, what do you want me to do? Like I yeah. have nobody to work with." And he's like, Brad Pitt is just like, "Trust me." Right. Just trust me. I think one of the things about the Philip Seymour Hoffman character in the greater scheme of the story is, uh, if if you're into baseball, there's not a lot of stories between management of baseball and then like. Like the GM, like the people who run the team, right? And then the manager of a baseball team, who's the guy who sets the lineup and and puts which players where he wants to go. And the, the dynamic between Billy Bean, who's Brad Pitt, and uh, Art—I forget what his last name. I forget what his name. Philip Seymour Hoffman's character um, is so harsh because Billy Bean, and they they address it early on in the movie is. Billy Bean doesn't tell anybody what his plan is, which is to put these seemingly terrible players in with uh, into their lineup. Like he's going to put a catcher who can't throw at first base because he can walk a lot. And if you get on base, you're going to score runs. And that's basically the goal of the team. The goal of the team is they got to score so many runs over the course of a year. And if they score this many runs, they'll make the postseason. And, the the manager is an old school baseball guy and he's like no we need to we need to bunt we need to steal we need to you know like sacrifice and all this stuff and so you have the old school baseball guys fighting with the new school baseball guys and it's this great dynamic and you're like even like the scouts yeah when he's in the scout room and he's like mm-hmm. yeah i think this guy's got potential he's like well, what's his average oh it's this he's out like right. like like everything they're he's just throwing Brad Pitt is just taking what Jonah Hill is giving him and he's just throwing everything out the window and all these old school baseball guys are looking at Brad Pitt like what are you doing yeah and like he just points to Jonah Hill this yeah. is Pete yeah this is Pete <laughs> Pete do we want this guy yes we do why do we want him because he gets on base there's our guy <laughs> and all the old school scouts are like what are we doing here i don't understand any of this What's Fabio? <laughs> it's 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 just a great inside look into how baseball what what I feel like how baseball really works where right. you have when you have a team that struggles I think 
we're from the Philadelphia region. We've had our struggles with our sports teams. Right. And I think the, the general thought most of the time is that they're not trying to win or like, what are they doing? You know, they're, they're making all these bad decisions when, when every season really is a gamble, you know, like you're, you're getting all these guys and you're making a bet and what they do in this movie is, or what Billy Bean does in this, in this movie is he takes a risky bet where if it fails, he's going to lose his job and he'll never get another job in baseball again. Absolutely. And spoiler alert, it works. And um, he's still he's the general, still manager general manager of the Oakland A's. Yeah. And sabermetrics is used by pretty much every team in the MLB. Yeah. To some extent, some some teams way more than others, but right. every team pretty much uses it when what they're the Phillies like the last ones yeah. to adopt it. Yeah. When they're evaluating players. Yeah. So it's a it's a great inside look at baseball. Anytime I don't know what movie I want to watch, Moneyball keeps popping in my head. I'm pretty sure it's in my top three movies. It's top it's, three or four. In terms movies of sports now. movies, it's definitely in my top three. Top yeah. Five. It's just a great movie. It's very it's very witty. It's very quick. It's very it's funny. Jonah Hill is excellent in the movie. Brad Pitt is excellent. It's just the the kind of movie you can watch a thousand times and and just really enjoy. So I, I highly recommend Moneyball. Yeah. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Tony, what oh you're not here. Tony. Um so Ray, last week we had our two, two raised questions. Random requests. No. No, we had one raised random request. One Tony's. What's Tony's? Tony's third degree. Yeah. Third degree. Um. Not a lot of action this past. Come on, guys. It's a tough question. I can't. I can't fault anybody. But Matt P. from Montana came through all the way from Montana. He gave you two answers. The Mountain State for your for your. uh, Well, he gave Tony two answers. Uh, So Tony's question was, what's a scene that is really, a scene or a movie that's really advanced by the dialogue in it, or like a really powerful dialogue scene that you really enjoy? And he goes, and he says that Inglorious Bastards, anything with Hans Lava, Hans Landa, which is the Christoph Waltz character, um, but he says that's too easy, because he's right, that that character is amazing. The opening scene of Inglorious Bastards is... Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, so he also goes on to say um, the opening scene of American Psycho, which okay. is uh, which is great. And then uh, Love that movie. And then he says the the uh, business card scene later on in the movie of that movie <laughs> are just two great examples of uh, dialogue. I think the card scene works a little more because the opening scene is I think a monologue. But um, Patrick. <laughs> um, when he's talking about like he, how his his routine, yeah. <laughs> After applying the <laughs> the salt scrub to my face, I then vigorously applied the aloe rub for twenty to forty five seconds. Uh, and then to answer your question from last week, which was, "What's a movie that takes place in one main setting?" Right. He says, "127 hours." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that movie. I mean that even. If 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 you go there, I feel like that makes the question even easier. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, movies that take place like maybe like in a house or like around like around a house in in a jail. Um, 
So, like, I was thinking, like, The Last Castle is a movie that takes place in a jail. Shawshank Redemption is a movie that takes place in a jail. I really like The Last Castle. Yeah. I, when I saw it, yeah. It's got it's, it's issues, movie. but it was it was good. Um, I was thinking of uh, a movie that I watched and talked about on the podcast a couple months ago, The Invitation, which is a movie that takes place solely at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Um, a movie called You're Next which I don't know if anybody's ever seen. It's the same directors of the new Blair Witch movie that's coming out this weekend. They directed Your Next? Yeah. Um, Your Next is supposed to be pretty good. Your Next right? is awesome. You definitely should check Your Next out. Okay. I we actually I'm actually might even watch that this week and talk about it next week since Blair Witch is coming out. Um, but that's a movie that takes place, same thing, at, at a, a remote house in the mountains the entire time. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of good ones. And, um, and oh, I just thought of one. Uh, Ex Mahina. Yeah. Uh, takes place in like four different scenes. Yeah. Four different rooms, basically. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's what I mean. Four different uh, settings. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised people didn't have many answers, but whatever. Ray's disappointed in all. Yeah, I am. He's uh, he's pretty upset about it right now. Ray, do you have a raise? Ray yeah, request? yeah. This is this is a pretty simple one, maybe a little easier one for the folks out there. <laughs> Sorry to, I've been trying to spice it up because the past, you know, when I first started this question, it's been pretty, the questions have been pretty lame. So I was trying to spice it up. Um, but this week's easy. Um, what's your favorite sports movie? Oh, because we, okay. we were saying Moneyball is definitely in our in our top sports movies. Um, my favorite sports movie of all time is Friday Night Lights. Really? Yeah, not the TV show, the movie. Um, I think that's just a perfect movie all around. Definitely encapsulates uh, high school Texas football and high school football in general. I liked Friday Night Lights. I didn't like it as much as a lot of people no. did, but I've only seen it the one time. And But everybody seems to really like it. I feel like I need to see it again. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good sports movies out there. So yeah, what's your favorite sports movie and why? I have to think about that. It's probably the Sandlot. Yeah, well, the Sandlot's up there. You can't say the Sandlot. Anything? What's your favorite sports movie besides the, the Sandlot? Because everybody will say the Sandlot. All right, that's fair. Yeah, all right. Great question, Ray. Yeah. Well, that'll about wrap up the show. Do you have any plugs this week, Ray? I don't have any plugs this week. Okay. Well, I would like to say if you're listening to us on the podcast radio network, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can catch us here every Wednesday night at 10.30 following the podcast Let's Talk Flicks. Uh, or you could check us out on podcastradionetwork.net or on the Crikey app, K-R-Y-K-R-Y. Crikey! Uh, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Twitter, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube. Uh, connect with us on Facebook. And, did I say Twitter already? Twitter. 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 All, Twitter. And, uh, with an A. Check us out at thisweekinfilmpodcast.com. Um, if you, we just got done typing, like creating a movie page for all the movies we watched. So if you want to look at that, you can. And maybe answer the question this week. <laughs> um, so that'll about do it for this week. Um, I came up with a new end for the show, Ray. Oh, you did? It's Thank worse. God. It's much worse <laughs> than the other one. Um, so if you're still in the theater and the weird-looking blue R-rated movie thing is on the screen. <laughs> what? 
You know when you're in the theater and yeah. you, when you stay to the very, very end of the credits and sometimes that like tells you what the movie was rated? Oh, uh, yes, yes. But it's yes. in like blue? Yeah. I don't know what, what you would call that other than how I just described <laughs> it. We'll see you next week in the film. <laughs>